us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. That is right. We are opening up the shop to newbies to help them find their way underneath this giant comic book tent. And we're keeping lights on for the oldies that remember that whole uh, anime manga thing that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. What do you mean happened? Like, it's not like anime and manga stopped. It is now more popular than ever. <laughs> well, it started happening. Oh, I see how it, it is. Today's show, we're going to be talking about one of the comic books that really cemented, at least in, in the U.S. audiences, the whole manga craze and the whole anime craze. We're talking about Akira, both the movie and the manga as part of our movie mayhem this week. And, and I am the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as always. But I'm also joined by a wonderful guest. As you know, all throughout movie mayhem, we have had wonderful guests join us, whether it was Mikey Wood, whether it was my brother, whether it was Ben Morse. Uh, now we've got John Engel, who's the regional manager of New Dimension Comics, as well as the showrunner for the Three Rivers Con. John, thanks so much for stopping by the shop today. Thanks for having me, guys. And I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to pull an alpha nerd and remind you that it is manga, not manga. <laughs> Thank just you. like just like it's han not han that's right i it's feel like i'm at many the words. store having to talk to someone right now it's manga <laughs> manga it's the first of many words we'll be mispronouncing throughout this podcast true. So just strap in. True. i don't know if you pronounce it akira because if you watch the anime half the people are calling saying like akira and the rose coming and look at his akira and i'm like is it Akira? Is it Akira? Well, in Japanese, it's because it? I watched the, the anime in Japanese. It's Akira. Oh, oh there's some nerd cred right there. That, uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but speaking of nerd cred, uh, one thing that I'm always excited about as a nerd is the Three Rivers Con every single year. And if you are in Pittsburgh or you're going to come to Pittsburgh, it is a wonderful show that happens in downtown Pittsburgh at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center the last couple of years. It's been wonderful. And so I really wanted to have John on today's program to talk a little bit about this show. So before we get started with both our manga review and our anime review, John, can you tell us a little bit about this year's event? Absolutely. This year, we're back down at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center the first weekend of June, Saturday, Sunday, June 3rd and 4th. We are excited to be back there. It was a great time last year. The venue worked out great. Everybody had a blast. We have some returning guys like Daryl Banks, Howard Bender, Justin Birch, Russ Braun's coming back for the first time in a couple years, Sean Gabarin, Robert Hack, Matt Horak, Ron French had all of a couple of the, uh, the, the greater regional guys. We also have some newer guys coming that have never been to the show, uh, like Andrew Pepoy. He has never, ever been there, and we are very excited to have him. Tom Zaylor, who's never, ever been there. Uh, and then for the first time, and I, I think since the second year, P. Craig Russell will be back. So oh, we wow. have like, yeah, man. So we have like a fully loaded artist alley and CBCS will be there for all your witnessing and grading. They also, by the way, do drop off for sports cards if you are interested in doing that kind of stuff, because they are part of Beckett. So if you happen to have like a signed Cindy Crosby rookie and you want to get it graded, bring it to our show and set it out at the same time. And again, we have some of the best 
comic vendors in the Northeast coming. We have guys from Michigan, New York, Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, Tennessee, West Virginia, Ohio. I think there's a guy coming from Connecticut that's a vendor. Uh, it's crazy. A couple publishers, so uh, Source One Press will be there. Ahoy will be there. Oh, man, I'm missing somebody that's going to bite me later. Uh, <laughs> but uh, either way, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Most of our vendors are comic book vendors. Uh, last year, we got to see some of the some of these awesome, same awesome vendors completely like crush it. Like I've watched uh, Daredevil one and Amazing fifteen and a Spider Man one through ten all go on the first day. Uh, so all of them from vendors on the first day last year, and some of those same vendors, the same kind of good stock, are coming right back. Uh, so JA, you probably want to fly in. <laughs> Take that thirty-hour uh, plane plane ride and, and come and hang out for the weekend. It'll be hey, I, I remember last year. That was the show that I picked up my issue of Rom the Space Lake number one for fifteen dollars. Yes, I got those. I got all my machine mans. I started my run of twenty or of two thousand one, a Space Odyssey last year at that show. Mm -hmm. I can say it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous event. And I'm excited. I mean, you finished off your uh, what spectacular Spider Man. That's right. And I, I think what Andy's trying to get at is Three Rivers Comic Con is a great convention, but also that comic book focus is really there, as opposed to a lot of the other conventions that tend to go more pop culture and, you know, movie and cartoon stars. You see the comic creators. You get to interact with comic book people. Uh, you get to see the up-and-coming artists out there and the vendors Sure, they'll have toys and they'll have other things and other uh, part of the, the pop culture, but there really is that comic book focus. So if you've got those issues, those grails you've been searching for, this is the place to come to get it. And like Andy was saying, get a great deal. I always walk out of this show with tons of things that make my wife very mad, that <laughs> make me so happy because the things I'm checking off the list have been on there for a long time. Oh, yes. And I am I am looking forward. Hopefully, I'll get to talk to P. Craig Russell. Uh, I have uh, uh, my hardback copy of Eldrick, the Michael yep. Moore Moorcock series, and uh, I already have it signed by Michael T. Gilbert, so I'm hoping to get P. Oh, Craig he's coming back. He's coming too. Michael T. Yeah. Gilbert's coming too. Uh, as, and, and then from there, all I got to get is Roy Thomas. And I got all three, baby. All three. So <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to uh, talking with P. Craig Russell, hopefully, at this week. Actually, this speaking week. of those guys, that reminds me, we're having a lot of really great panels this year. We have P. Craig Russell, Craig Boldman, and uh, Michael T. Gilbert on an Indie Comic Legends panel. We have... Okay. Uh, Craig Boldman, Andrew Petboy, and Robert Hack on a Life with Archie panel. So it's Archie through the years because Craig Boldman has worked on Jughead since I think the 70s or 80s. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah, he's he worked for him for a long time. So it's very interesting to see kind of like a an older generation, a middle generation, and a newer generation of Archie guys all on one panel. That's going to be awesome. Uh, you guys are going to be doing a, a live show, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, we have some cosplay panels. Uh, we have some great cosplay guests coming as well. Like it's going to be all good. And then to wrap it all up, we're not only do we nor normally do our beer release, uh, we're actually going to do that Friday night before the show in the hotel bar at the West End. So you guys can do that. If you have your VIP ticket, you can come get it scanned ahead of time, get your wristband, get your cans of beer, get them signed. It's going to be by Robert Hack, Bellbound Stout, uh, by, oh, wow. um, Subaru is Elia Noble. And on Saturday night, we're going to do a, a drink and draw art auction. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to like Heroes Con at all down in North Carolina. 
Yeah. Um, but we're going to do it very similar to that. So there's going to be a bunch of tables and it's going to be like a $5, $10, $20, $50, $100 section. And artists are just going to come in after the show on Saturday, draw some stuff, toss it on the table where they think it should go. They might draw another piece. They might bring a piece in ahead of time. And you can just literally walk up and be like, yeah, this I'm, I'm, I'm buying this. Oh, man, I'm, and it goes to Extra Life Charity. It's going to be a great, great time. And so. charity on top of that. That's awesome. Yep. That sounds like <laughs> our kind of event, right, Chad? Yeah, I'm, I'm salivating the thought of picking up some great art pieces. Yeah. Some cool sketches there. Well, again, that's going to be this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that later on the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more Last Comic Shop. We're going to be talking about the manga of Akira or Akira or how else you want to pronounce it. But again, stay tuned for that. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Hazel always knew there was something special about her cat Mooney, but she's still shocked when Mooney opens his mouth to tell her he's just had a vision. An ancient evil has awoken after centuries of sleep, and only one man can stop it the legendary warrior Beowulf. Unfortunately, it's been over a thousand years since he slayed a dragon, and he's been reincarnated as this guy. His name is Victor, and he's more unemployed millennial slacker than Mighty Warrior. Go to monarchpublishing.net for a free sample comic. And we're back. And so we are going to talk uh, right now about book one of Akira, at least that's how I've always pronounced it <laughs> up until watching the movie here recently, but Akira by whom, J.A.? So we are reading, as you said, book one of Akira by Katsuhiro Otomo. It originally ran in the manga magazine, Young Magazine, from December of 1982 through June of 1990 in serialized format. Uh, it was then combined into six books. We are reading book one of six Originally published in English by Marvel out of their epic imprint in 1988. We are reading the Dark Horse version uh, in English. We're reading it in English, by the way. Uh, the, the translation was done by Yoko Umazawa, Linda M. York, and Joe Duffy with graphics adaptation and sound effects lettering by David Schmidt for Digibox. And also some additional digital lettering and graphics adaptation by Digital Chameleon and Dark Horse Comics. Uh, yeah. And it was published by Mike Richardson, who is really sort of instrumental in bringing uh, manga to the U.S. And this is one of the books that really sort of touched off the manga craze in the U.S. And the movie that was adapted from this also sort of touched off the anime craze in the U.S. Uh, yeah, but, but to your point, it also kicked off another craze uh, in terms of just cyberpunk in general. Like this is one of the granddaddies of all cyberpunk. You know, I think we were talking about it uh, in previous shows that one of J.A.'s favorite, you know, novels of all time is Neuromancer. 
by William Gibson. And this predates Neuromancer at least by two years. Now, I think you said that William Gibson had been working with like the notion of cyberspace and all that stuff before this, but at least was before Neuromancer, right? Yes, it's before Neuromancer, not before Burning Chrome. That was sort of where um, cyberspace was coined by Gibson, and that came out also in 82. So it's in that era, the same right. sort of time when when all these ideas were being played with, like the future tech. Those dystopian futures. And, and, and I think that's a great uh, segue into the 10 cent synopsis. So here it comes, because I will say this, you know, I had not read this book before this show. I like I had not I'd seen the anime, but I'd never read the manga. And not only did I read volume one, which I was supposed to do for this show, but I actually read volume two and three and well into four, just simply because after one, I just started devouring it. Like it was so hard to put down, but simply put, this happens in a post-war Tokyo, like in, in, the, in the future, 1992 is when this bomb goes off and destroys uh, part of Tokyo. And then uh, it starts World War Three or whatever. 82, the bomb goes off and then it takes, it's set in 2019. Actually, no, yeah, it's 2030. it is. December 6, 1992, is the bomb mm-hmm. explodes over metropolitan area of Japan. That and is legitimately the, the very first thing in my copy of this book. Uh, now, you know what? Because uh, I'm reading it. So in the Japanese, it was 82, and oh, then okay. they updated it to 92 in the English edition. Oh, huh. there you go. Look oh, at this. Interesting. No, short. that's really interesting. Th- this this bomb goes off, and so now you're de- leaving in like this again, this post-war Tokyo. There's these kids that have like basically you know Jean Grey powers, like X-Men powers. They you know mentally can control things and telekinesis and telepathy and all that other jazz. And there's this biker gang with this kid named Tetsu uh, and this other Kamata. I think that's how you pronounce. Like Canada is <laughs> Yes. Canada. And uh, Tetsu just starts uh, developing these mental powers and they kind of arrest him and they put him with the rest of the kids. And then he finds out about Akira, who they've uh, been trying to control or keep absolute zero in some sort of bunker under beneath uh, the place where they're going to keep Ground the zero. Olympics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But they built that on the, the rubble of the bomb drop. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm slaughtering this, but like there are so <laughs> many little subplots that it's hard to do a 10 cent synopsis, honestly, because drugs that they're trying to find because these are like powerful uh, ways of sedating like the people that have the mental powers and Tetsu wants them. The government is keeping all these kids sedated with all these abilities. Also, they're really old, which I didn't understand. (laughs) But anyway. So that's the 10 cent synopsis. Again, I butchered it. But that's that's because there's so much in like 300 pages or so, even of the English translation of this manga, that it's hard to keep track and hard to kind of put into words, like what exactly this book's about. And I think you that's why you have to read volumes two and then volumes three, because ultimately, I will say this, as we get to later in the show, the anime is actually kind of a loose adaptation of the first three volumes. So I feel like if you're watching the anime, I think you do have to read the first three, even though on this show, we're only covering the first. But John, you were mentioning in the pre-show that you haven't read this book in a while. So how is it like going back and revisiting it? (laughs) I have not read this since probably around 2003. I hadn't watched the movie 
since probably around the same. I had a friend who was really into manga uh, in college, and that's when I was starting to get back into comics. So it was it was very interesting to reread it because uh, when I read it the first time, it was the single issues, right? The, the epics. Um, oh, wow. So it was very weird to be like, oh, look at this giant book that I get to read. It, it was a lot of fun to, to reminisce into it, but it also brought a whole bunch of those, those cringe moments where you're like, yeah, you can't really do that in comics anymore. Uh, um, but I remember this book. I was into I was starting to get into Dragon Ball, and I was like, "Oh, like so this is how manga and anime work." Like, and it was a it was my learning of how they would do that, like how they took a manga and then adapted it to an anime, and then what the differences were and and how Japanese comics work. Like, this was my first foray into that. So it was it was very cool to reread it and check it out again, and it was definitely weird checking like watching it against the movie because it's well yes it goes through one two and three it also kind of does one this book doesn't flesh out the other characters like two and three do and the yes. movie does it's the same front to back story and we can talk about some of those cringe moments uh, and <laughs> how they made weirdly they fixed them for the movie though like yeah. they lot of those problems for the movie and i'm just like how how do they go about doing that okay okay so they yeah, already no. knew they they had to do it right I, I mean i will say this that uh one of the main characters in in both the anime and the manga is this guy named uh, kamada who's like again the gang leader the the kid that everybody looks up to even tetsu is the this person with these powers these you know tremendously awesome mental abilities he has a hard time like fighting this this guy because like he looks up to him like a, an older brother or something. So he like always like freezes like oh I, but know, also he yeah he also out. has a bit of an inferiority complex when right. it comes oh, yeah. to yeah. and, and it, I think it, that also drives him. And, and but in the manga, this Kamada guy, he's a real douchebag. He really yeah. is like oh he's, he's semi rapey like yes. you know, some rapey vibes and I'm just like. Oh man. And like the way he like completely just like disregards the nurse who's his one girlfriend who is probably <laughs> pregnant. pregnant at that point. And, and like he just kind of brushes her off like like go back in the kitchen and make me some more drugs. Like yeah. <laughs> what? But at the same time he's like super competent from like an action hero standpoint. This this guy can't die. Like, I get it. Like, right. sometimes, you know, you have the main character and the protagonist or whatever, and they live a charmed existence. But he really does. Like, there are, there are moments, like, there's this one where he's on this bike, and he, like, has to leap off, like, this edge, and he flips backwards and lands on this other speeding bike. And, like, this doesn't happen in real life. But it happens right. with him, and he has, like, such, again, confidence. Such, like, he's, like, cocksure about everything. He's just like, yeah, we're going to do this. This guy has mental powers. Forget it. I got this laser gun. He's dead. <laughs> so, but it's really different compared to the anime, which yeah. they kind of like grow up the character a lot. He's a lot more sympathetic yeah. in the anime. Right, guys? Uh, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. For me, the anime and, and the book were two totally different experiences. So I, I was going to hold off on that until we get there. But for like the book, for me, the big thing, because I'm, I'm not a big manga guy. This is like mm. really great entry level. And I'm, I'm sure this was probably a lot of folks first experience getting into the manga where they, they do a lot of uh, Americanization 
where this isn't like your traditional manga that you have to read, uh, you know, from right to left. And so they take care of that for you. I don't know, just from a craft standpoint, like I, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, as far as character work, I, I don't know. I'm not sure the characters were all that fleshed out for me just from volume one. And maybe that's something that I'm missing from books two and three, but uh, Canada can do whatever he wants. He should be dead four or five different times, but those scenes are so exciting and the action is so vivid and so excellent that you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's just take the ride. And like, that's his attitude throughout the book. And that's, you know, how the book works, why the book works. I think. One of the things I wanted to pivot to J.A. is because, again, being from the Philippines, like manga is huge over there, right? And so you've you've read other manga. What did you think of this one compared to some of the other stuff you've read? It's much more adult themed than several of the manga that I've been exposed to. I've read before. It also dealt with aspects and, and they got rid of them for the movie. The whole drug aspect of the the plot having drugs to suppress the headaches and, and, and the pain and, and, and all the kids doing essentially, I guess they were meth. I mean, they're doing amphetamines and, and things, all of that. They just got rid of, I think it's probably a little bit too dicey for the anime. Uh, so that was very interesting to seeing sort of a lot of different parts of Japanese culture being looked at and investigated because there was a drug issue among kids in Japan in the 80s, there was biker gangs and and these kids sort of feeling that they're not part of adult society. And that's the one thing that I found very off-putting, maybe not off-putting, but it took me out of the bit, like all of the protagonists and all the main characters in this book, with the exception of the colonel, are like 15, 16 years old. Except for, you know, like the, the jobbers that run around, all the cops and whatnot, all the no-name people. Everyone's a kid. And and, mm-hmm. and I guess that's meant because they're, they're meant to be read by children. So it, it makes the connection a little bit closer. And it's just, I guess I could draw the parallel to like X-Men when they first came out or New Mutants. They were also kids of that age. But these kids seem to be doing very adult things, <laughs> yeah. much more adult I, things. I don't know if this is aimed at kids, really. And in, in the between or maybe the I, the manga, yeah. Maybe I just wasn't cool enough when I was that age. I didn't run around <laughs> popping pills and, and riding motorcycles. So it, it might be me. It might be me. Shooting guns, moving stuff with your mind, whatever. You know, <laughs> simple every 15-year-old dream, right? Yeah, I, I kind of agreed. Like, it was very, uh, it was much more mature than I remember it being. But I also read it 20 years ago, so I would have been like 21. So I am more mature now reading this. And, and like I said, looking back on it, I'm just like, man, there is so much stuff in here that is like super 80s. And like, it's like watching um, like a National Lampoon's movie now. Like, man, they can never make that today. You yes. know what I mean? E- even like things like um, like RoboCop. They could never make RoboCop today. They tried. It didn't work. Uh, <laughs> right. You know? The the last question I had before we get to ratings is, um, again, I told I said it earlier that this this flowed so well that like, again, it was the first time I had ever read it in in manga form. And I immediately had to move on to volumes two, volumes three. J.A., Chad, John, I know that you've read it before. Did you immediately want to pick up volumes two, volumes three and just continue the story? We'll start off with J.A. Yes, I actually did pick up volume two, three, four, five, and six, and I've been uh, reading them off and on along with my recommendation. I I had to continue. Also to see 
how it differed from the movie, because I thought the movie did some things a lot better than the book. And I think Chad's going to get into this a lot. But also the movie got rid of whole plot lines and whole subplots. Yeah. And I will say that volume two is um, it's like that classic anime where it takes like, I don't know, like 50 pages just for an elevator to go down like three levels you're like okay it's like watching dragon ball and you're like all right how many episodes are we going to get to the this fight because like it's been building up for like 15 episodes now we just want to see the fight. 50 episodes till the spirit bomb 35 episodes to the spirit bomb 20 episodes to the spirit bomb and then the spirit bomb doesn't work shit john did you want to continue uh, after reading volume one did it did it scratch that itch and you wanted to see what we connect with the rest of it so I watched the movie before I reread it, mostly because I had access to the movie before I, I had to go pick up the book. And part of me wants to keep reading it, but I also don't have a lot of time, especially right now, this time of year. But I will probably most likely after the convention pick uh, pick up like two and three. Chad? Yeah. So I had mentioned earlier, there hasn't been a lot of uh, manga that's spoken to me. And like every time I get a manga recommendation, I'm like, oh. Look, Death Note, it's like Punisher and Venom together. It's great. There hasn't been a lot uh, that I've noticed, and admittedly, my experiences are, are fewer and further between, that has really gripped me. I actually really like this. I, I like this even more so than the movie, which we'll get into. But I, I love the pacing. I, you know, It read quick, but it was frenetic. It was action-packed. I love the sound effects in this, which I realize you yeah. know, were translated. But boy, the, the sound effects, you know, they felt like the sound effect and there were so many just you know plaques and plops and like the brew brew the motorcycles and like you're watching these motorcycle races and there's all those all those action lines and like i i, I loved it now plot wise I, I don't know how down i was with the whole the government suppressing telekinetic kids that have really old faces that was <laughs> weird to me <laughs> uh, i don't know how crazy i was about that but i could watch like motorcycle gang fights all day long. So yeah, this is something that I'm definitely intrigued. I will be picking up volumes two through six or whatever to uh, just see how the rest of it goes. And if it, if it, uh, you know, keeps my interest as much as this one did, because once I started reading this, it was hard to put down. Like I I was really loving it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to ratings. Uh, Jay, what's our one out of four scale for the first volume of Akira or Akira or how? We're going to go with one out of four telekinetic headaches. <laughs> you got those pills? That that bowling alley scene. Oh my god! <laughs> that yeah. bowling alley scene. It's like my head hurts, and he's just like popping people's yep. heads like they're like they're Pez dispensers. That's crazy. And then, right. and then and then he he starts the whole gang war just so that he can get everybody else's drug supply. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and start off with you, J.A. Again, you read a lot of Mongo. How did this stack up to a lot of stuff you've read? It was great. It was original. Even though it's a product of 1982, it, it you know, it's not derivative at all. If anything, right. everything that came after it has become a bit derivative of this, of the source. I have to give it a four. Yeah. I think I'll go next and I'll, I'll, I'll second that. Two years ago, we read what Frank Miller's Ronin, right? And like, I can see shades of Akira or Akira in Ronin. I can see it in so much of the comic books that have come out since this time. I mean, this is a signpost of good cyberpunk. 
uh, not only Japanese cyberpunk, but just cyberpunk in general. This is just, uh, it's a pillar. And so like, I, I feel like in this great year that we've been having with so many good books, I think that this was one of the perfect selections for the uh, manga genre, if you want to call that. This is a four. This it, it made me pick up volumes two and volumes three. Volumes four, I started eh, falling off because there's a tonal shift in volume four. And it kind of fast forwards like five years in the future. And you're like, what's going on here? But at least the first three volumes, I just devoured it. Chad? Well, John, I had mentioned earlier, there are some things in here that if they were making this today, they wouldn't be able to do for sure. But to, to think that this came out in 1982, that's just insane to me. And this, as someone who's not a manga guy, this was the you, perfect yeah, yeah. entry point. The The plot points were fun and original. Like I said, I keep going back to the action, to the sound effects. Like it was riveting the entire time. And then it read so quickly. I don't know how you could give this a four. So it's great stuff. So John, what did you think of the manga? Like everybody kind of said, this is like the blueprint, how to break your Japanese comic book into America. I'm still like the, the cringy things in here still make it a little weird. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. Um, only for like, there's just a couple things that I'm just like, man, I, I want to love this book so much more, but I can't love it like that anymore. Um, <laughs> I have matured. Matured. I have. I think that's I, but, that's one of the things about all art from certain eras. Like, yeah. you look back at the night, the the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four, where they're like, "Sue, go make me a sandwich." Like, it is so much cringeworthy right. stuff in that too. So, I get oh, it. Oh, it's yeah. a product of its I mean, time. <laughs> exactly, but I, I definitely it, it is so good so well written the art is absolutely fantastic and it it's a fast read too like i think i blew through this whole big freaking book in like an hour it was yeah. nuts and i'm not a big fan of black and white like i just my brain has process hard time processing black and white comics but it, this did not bother me because of how fast it flowed so yes. oh and yeah and they, yeah. they do so much with the different tones and zip a tone and all that other stuff there, there's depth mm -hmm. and levels to this artwork where it's just, it's beautiful stuff. Well, Absolutely. we've got some depth uh, coming up next with our movie review of Akira, so stay tuned for that. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Hey everyone, I'm Nerd Bummer. And I'm Tectic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to the show. 
All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our movie pile review. Yes, that firm that I just came up with. Because, I don't know, people used to have piles of movies, right? I mean, they used to. You used to have a stack of DVDs, and you just lend them out to your friends. Here, here, take this. Two, they take that. Um, How do kids even know who to be friends with anymore? You can't walk into somebody's house and see all their CDs and DVDs and immediately right? start judging them. Uh, right. You're not you're not sharing mixtapes or underground like recordings anymore. Come on. Honestly. Yeah. You're not even sharing graphic and... novels anymore. You're just going, right. hey man, pull this up on Kindle. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I made a I made a mixtape for somebody and it ended up being a YouTube playlist. <laughs> what? See, there you go. nowadays you just have to talk to people which nobody wants to do they just want to use social right? media so it's like it's weird just share my spotify list with you and we'll be okay <laughs> there you go <laughs> well one thing we're going to share is our thoughts on akira the anime and how that is both similar and yet different from the manga we just talked about. So, J.A., why don't you give us a lowdown on the anime? So, uh, when did this come out and how is it? Who, who worked on it? All right. So, it was released in 1988, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, the author and writer of the original manga, based on a screenplay by Otomo and Izu Hashimoto. It was produced uh, by Ryohei Suzuki and Shunzo Kato. It starred a lot of Japanese voice actors. So unless you've watched it and then it got translated and dubbed into English. So you can watch it in the Japanese, you can watch it in English. I'm not going to run through all those actors' names because based on which version you watch, those will be different. You can find the Wikipedia for that. I will say that uh, what was quite interesting is they they made this uh, what they called the Akira Committee, which is like a conglomerate of all these different entertainment companies that were brought together to produce the film. And it didn't just include like hand-drawn animation. There was computer-generated imagery specifically around sort of the animated pattern indicator that was used by the doctor to see, you know, the singularities. That was all computer animation. So there's lots of different things going on. It was pushing the boundaries of what anime could be at the time. And like the manga before it, it really pushed the boundaries globally on what anime was and opened up the West to anime. And so uh, it's my job to synopsisize this. And basically you're getting a lot of what you got from chapter one in the book. You get the bicycle gangs, you get the Canada and Tetsuo and their relationship together. Uh, you get the weird, creepy little kids with their mental abilities, with their old faces, which I still haven't gotten over. Um, and so, and you have the government trying to shut things down. You get some really brilliant animation, especially considering it came out in 1988. Uh, Neo All Tokyo. full color. All full color, too. Yes. Yeah, get your colors this time. Um, and then you get the whole big ending scene where people are yelling at each other and it's Akira's coming and then there's explosions and things are being sucked in and sucked out and, and then I fell asleep and then it was over. <laughs> and there's a giant there's a giant flesh monster at one point. Oh yeah. Yeah. And lots yep. of bubbles. There are lots of things that bubbled and gurgled and yeah, I'll, I'll get into that too. I think John had brought it up in the previous segment. In some ways, uh, both sanitized and synopsized the manga, especially the first three volumes, to make this movie. 
But at the same time, in doing so, like you lose a lot of subplots. Like there's like this whole subplot yeah, with this elderly Japanese lady that's also uh, one of the, I guess, test subjects or whatever. She has a number on her palm and she's like some person that can see the future and she runs a cult that's mm-hmm. trying to like overthrow the government. And the only thing in the, ana- in the anime that you get is like, after Tetsu puts on his cape and is like walking around on this bridge, she comes out with a bunch of like other cultists like, and uh, and like immediately dies. But she's like a huge character yeah. in the books. Yeah, John, what did you think? You know, again, the manga versus the anime. Do you prefer one or the other, or do you just think they're like different animals? Uh, I mean, they are different animals. I think I slightly prefer the movie more because it streamlined the story a lot more. And it it took out a lot of those random, like, weird subplots. But it also filled in some of the the plot itself. Like, we see Tatsu go from in the hospital bed to that hallway scene that's, that's awesome where he runs into the doctor and the colonel. And that's not in the book. And then we see him back, like, meeting everybody they kind of flesh out the kids' storyline a bit more in the in the movie, which I believe is actually parts from books two and three. Like they completely do away with like the nurse stuff, really, and like the drug lord stuff, which is kind of not great. I mean, but I, I think they were trying to make this movie for a different audience. They didn't want to bring bring it as a downer. They didn't want people to see it as like a dark thing. They wanted it to be more upbeat a little more hero-y, like Canada ends up being a little more of a hero versus like a total anti-hero doucher, um, <laughs> like he wasn't like manga. And, you know, it, and it works out well. Like he goes from the dude who's trying to be creepy with the girls all the time to the guy who puts his jacket on the girl who got her shirt ripped off by the clown gang. Also, the clown gang gets like way more time in the movie. So they, they kind of... It's almost like The Walking Dead, right? Like the TV show and the, the books are, are a lot different, but the similarities that they took made it work for the audience they were aiming for. So I, I like them both a lot. It's just, I think for me, I and, and I watched the one where I had to read the subtitles. So um, <laughs> if, I think if I had an English dub, I may like it even more. But it, it was it was a lot of fun. I really I, I really liked that. I thought it was a better climactic ending with like the weird flesh monster, and and oh, and Ryu completely got like the shaft on the movie. Like yes. he's in like two scenes, right? And, <laughs> and in the book, he's kind of like the third wheel. Uh, right. So it's it's real bizarre to uh, to to see that kind of stuff. But you know, it, it it's it's a different thing though. A lot of people, even with Dragon Ball. A lot of people love the show, but they don't want to read the manga or they've read the manga and they love the manga and they think the show's crap to each their own. That's why we live in this world we live in. And this is literally my my daily working in a comic book store. <laughs> I try to get people to be like, the MCU is not the same as the Marvel book. Um, All right. J.A., now you watched it in the original Japanese as well. What did you think of the movie versus the uh, manga? I thought it took the best parts of the manga and then it took the best parts of anime and used the the medium to tell a very very interesting and compelling story you could do things in the anime that you can't do in the manga just with motion and movement and the way they did it the way they captured it it it's leading me to how we're going to rate this movie is an integral part of the anime that has now since gone on and become the wilhelm scream 
of animation, and that is the Akira bike slide. Yes. Oh, yeah. And when you see it for the first yep. time, you're like, oh, my, it's mind blowing. And I, I watched it, uh, a 4K version of it. So I would recommend if you can find it, find it at the highest quality you can and watch it on the night, the loudest TV you can, because the colors are just so <laughs> vibrant that you don't get at all in the manga because the manga is black and white. So I loved it. Okay, Chad. So this is my chance to be Debbie Downer. This did not speak to me in the way that the comic book did. I can appreciate that it was super impressive. I can appreciate the animated elements, but I don't think the action scenes affected me as much as they did in the manga. I wasn't feeling it as much. And they took certain uh, like subtle elements. and I felt they cut those out for the purpose of having a more streamlined story. But at the same time, I felt like a lot of the depth that I was getting in the story, I wasn't necessarily feeling it in the movie. And so not being the big anime manga guy, a lot of the things that I was seeing is like, oh, that's really cool. But I've also, you know, in my mind, I call it the the Pearl Jam effect. Like I've seen all those other grunge bands that made me, you know, kind of get angry at Pearl Jam as a result. (laughs) I'm watching this and I'm seeing a lot of the things that have shown up in some of the 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 mangas or the animes that I've seen. We're like, oh, okay, that's what that is. Yeah, they had the uh, one scene where they just basically people yelling at each other. And and there was just something too, like whatever they were animating, a lot of the violence, it didn't seem as bad to me in the black and white book, but whatever you put it in there and you're seeing the bullets go straight through and like they're standing there and they just continue to shoot at somebody and put 25 bullets and, and, you know, and all the bubbling. And there was just a lot of like gross visceral stuff that was intended to be gross and visceral. Uh, They did their job, but that, because of that, it just, you know, I found myself more turned off than I was like with the manga where I was like, Oh, you know, the action's so intense. It's so exciting. Um, Here. I was like, "Eh, all right, whatever. Pearl jam. (laughs) I'm of two minds of this, honestly. I mean, I'm one of these guys. I think I agree with Chad that I prefer the manga a little bit more just simply because with the manga, you had an opportunity to kind of take your time a little bit and the buildup, like again, that whole volume two, where like, again, I, I joke that it takes like 50 pages for them to find uh, Akira in the cryogenic chamber underneath the, the stadium. But like the buildup to that and how you have uh, Kamada and Key, we, we haven't talked about Key enough. She's the main female protagonist in this. And like hey, barely um, in the movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but in in the books, like they have this organic relationship that kind of builds over issue after issue. And to, uh, to John's point, there's like this third wheel character, this Ryu character that's always kind of in the way. And, you know, it's they got the Sam and Diane thing. So you're always like, are they going to get together? I, I kind of want them to get together. But like, boy, Kamada's a real jackass. So like, I really don't want to. You know, she, she deserves better. But like, that's kind of where we're going with this. But you don't get any of that. In, in the anime, they kind of, again, summarize their relationship, which I feel kind of cheapens it in some ways. But at the same time, I feel like the anime does a better job of giving you reasons why Kamada and Tetsu actually give a shit about each other. Like, I don't think in the, the books you get that as much. I think Tetsu gets has headaches and that's and then eventually he just wants to find Akira and that's what leads that plot on in the anime. They tap more into like that kind of brother relationship, you know, older brother, kid brother thing. And you kind of, you can kind of relate to that a little bit, that sibling rivalry 
I think that's what makes that final scene so powerful where Kaneda is going and reliving Tetsu's childhood and the 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 Esper's childhood, the ESPers, the the little kids and seeing how they were sort of worked on and experimented on but then he he sees Tetsu's life from Tetsu's eyes and and the friendship they had and it's quite powerful at the end when you know that Tetsu's going off to become something else that friendship actually ended up meaning something so it wasn't just a, a plot point at the beginning of the book we were friends and now you're not friends i think we we get to understand what tatsu's going through a lot more in the movie too and a great scene that's that's a great example is this is like is the scene where he's in the bed and he wakes up and he's just like oh man these headaches and in the book it just cuts to the next scene like that's it but in the movie the stuffed animal starts climbing on the bed and then he does this whole like crazy trippy LSD moment. And you really kind of understand like, Oh, he's being driven mad. Uh, At least I thought it drove the point of this is what's going on with him and how it's affecting him more than the book did. Cause in the book, it was kind of like you said, he has headaches. Oh crap. Now all of a sudden he's like some crazy telepath. And then in the movies, it's even cooler because he gets his arm ripped off and then he gets like that new metal arm at the end. Yeah. Very, very cyberpunky. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It, it, there are those kind of moments in the movie that kind of humanize him for sure. Like both him and Kamada are both more sympathetic characters. And you don't really get that in the manga. They're just kind of, but I will say this, and I, I want to get everybody's thoughts right before we go to ratings is that uh, the character of Akira is way different in the manga versus the anime. And like, the, and, and spoiler alert, in the anime, they're just a bunch of jars, which I was like, what, what is this? In the manga, it's an actual real boy. Like it's a, it's a boy and like for a whole volume he just walks around and dates he's a real boy he is and so like what do you guys think of that with like just the jars and the anticlimactic like oh that's what they were after he's been dead for years and just like i thought that was a letdown J. no I, I i thought it was a nice little swerve because you're expecting to see like this ultra powerful boy or ultra powerful man or ultra powerful something and then it's just a bunch of jars like oh and then he uh, he does come back in a moment, he does reform within the singularity before he goes off into another plane. Uh, but I like that. I like the swerve. It played with preconceived notions and conceptions that you might have. And it said, you know what? We're going to take what you think is coming and we're going to throw it away. Uh, <laughs> John? I kind of like the swerve as well. A, I didn't want another ugly kid. And <laughs> B, I thought... It, it would have been distracting in the movie version for them to be like, okay, well then what about this other whole body of a dude over here? Right. Versus like you built this whole thing with Tatsu becoming the bad guy. You can't throw another guy in there and expect <laughs> that to happen. Even though they keep talking about how Akira was the one who dropped the bomb and all that kind of stuff. In the, in the, so I kind of liked it. I didn't really care that it was, jars of brain but i was kind of like what the hell <laughs> had it been like like the severed head in a in a jar like walt disney i'd have been okay um i wasn't actually expecting to see him at all in the movie uh and and again i had seen it 30 years ago and i was like is he in this i can't like i couldn't remember at all and uh 
I thought they did well with the way they adapt that aspect. Chad? Yes, I had only read book one where they're just teasing Akira. Okay. Akira, so I, I didn't know what to expect, so I just assumed it was Brains and Jars. <laughs> no, but I'll say this before we get to ratings. The reason why I preferred the manga is just simply because after a while, it seems like Tetsu wanted a younger brother himself. And so like that was kind of driving him, like especially at the, vol- at the end of volume three, not to give too much away, but there's a different way that that volume ends uh, which I think is equally as powerful as the way that the Akira um, anime ends. A- again, it was actually kind of a letdown moving on to volume four because it was just like, wow, like that's where we're following up with this because volume three ends with such, well, you just have to read the manga. That's all I got to say. Let's get to ratings. So, J.A., what is our rating scale for the anime? So as aforementioned, it is Akira Bike Slides. <laughs> uh, yes. All right, John, we're going to start off with you. How many bike slides are you giving this movie, buddy? I'm going to give it, oh, man, three out of four. Um, Kind of because, like, there were parts from the book I wanted to see in there a little bit more. And I think some of the changes, while I thought most of them were good, some of them were a little bit off. Uh, I wanted to see more with the bartender. I wanted to see a little more with the, um, the clown gang on the tattoo side versus just them being there because like in the book they made more sense because he eventually took them over or whatever in the movie it's just like hey it's the rival gang and we're just gonna show up every once in a while and be the bad guys like it felt very like cobra they had to be <laughs> yeah. there for Joe's excuses for motorbike it seems <laughs> right but you know it was it was the blueprint for a lot of great anime and it was what turned a lot of people onto the the medium so you know three out of four is my where I'm gonna go all right, Chad. Uh, I think I'm going to agree with the, the three out of four. This is a not for me three out of four, where there were lots of things, like I said, in the in the movie version that uh, didn't necessarily speak to me as much. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is where this starts. Um, there were just the, the violence level was ratcheted up and the like the, the bubbling. I, I keep going back to seeing so many different things bubble. <laughs> oh, I am like it. I was uneasy every time. But as a product of its time, uh, you know, this is coming out in 1988. It pushed the bounds of animation. You know, it brought this entire wave of uh, anime, you know, along with it. And it's so important and influential to, to do anything, you know, below a three would be a disservice. And there are parts of it that are, that are really fun and really cool that I enjoyed. It's just whenever I compare it to the book itself. I could go back and I can go back and reread that book and enjoy that book and, and look for all the little artistic parts of it that like as a comic book fan, I can appreciate and I can see this helping me bridge the gap into other manga. Whereas the movie, I was like, all right, I've watched it. I, you know, it's not something that really intrigued me or is inspiring me to go pick up other animes or, you know what I mean? Like I recognize it's, it's great for what it is, but what it is, isn't really my bag. Okay. So three. Yeah. I think I'll I'll agree with that. I think it's a three just simply because of the importance from a cultural perspective and how it jumpstarted everything with anime. Plus the fact, you know, the movie gets to pull from things like Tron and it gets to pull from images that we got from like Blade Runner, uh, the Ridley Scott version. So just the rioting in the streets and how visceral that is. I think that's really important. But 
I think what you should do, and this is just my final thoughts on this, is I think you should be watching the anime at the same time as reading the manga. I think you should do what we did on this show. Honestly, they're kind of like a commentary on each other. You can kind of see the similarities and differences. And I think your experience for both is going to be a, a much more rewarding one if you kind of do it at the same time. That's just me. J.A., by the way, what was your recommendation, buddy? I don't think we're going to get to that this this week. So I will talk to that when I talk to this. I'm giving it a three as well uh, for everything and all the reasons that everyone gave. It's it's sort of one of these, the manga and then the anime, you know, it's like the genesis of cyberpunk and, and going forward. But for me, there wasn't enough cyber in it. There was not enough <laughs> computer stuff. I, they they played with all this future architecture and and future world, but in terms of there wasn't a lot of computers. I mean, in the in the where movie, were the mechs? Yes, in the movie, <laughs> this there's the girl talking on a payphone for Pete's sake. While I loved you know what it did for anime and pushing that forward, another manga to anime that I think did it even better is Ghost in the Shell. That was going to be my recommendation. So I would say you you do this. You read the manga, you watch the anime, and then you pick up Ghost in the Shell. And I would go backwards on that one. I would do the anime first and then the manga. And then if you really are a glutton for punishment, you can watch the ScarJo film. (laughs) 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 So any case... That was all the time we had for Last Comic Shop this week. I hope you enjoyed our review of not only the manga, but the anime of Akira. John, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Again, why don't you tell everybody about the Three Rivers Con? It's coming up this weekend, right? Like, where's it at? What days? All that great stuff. All right. So June 3rd and 4th, downtown the David L. Lawrence Convention Center, downtown Pittsburgh, right on the river. Gorgeous. Uh, Bottom floor. You can get your tickets at threeriverscomiccon.com slash tickets. You can get all the information on the artists, the hotel block, the panels, beer release, everything, all at threeriverscomiccon.com. It's good on your mobile. It's good on your PC. It's good on your tablet. If you want to not wait in line and buy a ticket, just uh, go to our website, buy your ticket ahead of time, download it. It goes right to your phone. We can scan it right off your phone. Everything's good. Make sure you check out the uh, the beer release on Friday night at 7 o'clock in the Bill's Burgers at the West End. And then don't forget to check out the charity art auction uh, slash drink and draw on Saturday night after the show. Uh, hopefully make some money for charity. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we're excited to have everybody there. All We're putting the comics back in Comic-Con again. And uh, we thank everybody who is part of it and has come and supported this. So, And thank you guys for having me on here. This has been great. I always love coming on the show. You guys are some of the best guys to talk to about comics in the city, and I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much. And we will be there. If you see Chad or I or Mikey Wood, uh, J.A., unfortunately, he won't be flying he'll in. He'll be floating in. He'll be there. I can bring him up on my, my tablet. <laughs> gotta get, get, get me one of those rolling things. I can roll around <laughs> like a robot. <laughs> You're going to be dressed like Canada, and we're just going to have you on like a... On a uh, I'll just be going around. Segway. <laughs> Sexual! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but yes, if you see us, make sure that you say hello. We are going to be doing a, a great panel uh, during the show. So make sure that you're checking out our live episode of The Last Comic Shop at Three Rivers Con. We cannot wait. And even though we can't wait for that, we also have to get to the end of the show. So you know what that means. Lightning round. <laughs> All right. So, Andy, what's the name of the website? www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Jay, what's the merch people could find on the website? Bikes and t-shirts <laughs> and tote bags. There you go. Recommendations we skipped, but it was Ghost in the Shell. And I think that's it. Yeah. Do we need anything else? I don't think we need No, just else. recommending going to the Three Rivers Con. Three Rivers Con. Yeah, exactly. yeah. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, make sure you're there this weekend. It is awesome. Until then, I'm the host of Most Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful John Engel. And we hope that you stay safe, stay conning. And remember that if you're going to make your summer plans to go to Legoland this year, make sure that you get your tickets early because I heard that people are lined up for blocks. That's <laughs> just bad. Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.